Good morning. I'm Peggy. I'm reading Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Peggy. That was a marathon, and we got it again next week. Um, Yeah, good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's uh, great to be here together this morning. Um, If you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to give you all a a heads up. I have a speech impediment. It'll kind of come in and out as as I go. Um, It doesn't have anything to do with this uh, heavy text we're in or the game last night. Um, I know, groan. I will say it's a little easier to preach on like four hours of sleep when we win. Um, So uh, we got our work cut out for us this morning, right? Um, Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians um, chapter 5 together if you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, would you uh, hold your hand up high and keep it up? And someone will get, get one to you. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, le canto su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 5, versículo 21. Um, so again, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this. K is our gift to you, right? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word to make their own and to uh, underline and to submit to, um, especially as we are in a place like we are these, these few weeks. We want to make sure that we understand uh, God's Word and, and His will and what He writes to us and that we would respond and, and be shaped individually and as a people uh, by His Word. 
As a reminder, we're um, in this series, it's, it's kind of a six-week series, um, uh, as we're still in Ephesians, but especially these three weeks are kind of a specific time that's really talking about the m- metaphor, one of many, but of, uh, of God's work through his, his ordination of marriage, through husbands and wives and how we relate with one another. And, and last week we talked about, just kind of heads up if you weren't here, just to kind of catch us all up to remember um, the economy of power within God's kingdom and how Jesus um, from Philippians chapter 2, we see an upside down kingdom. He says the first shall be last. He says if you want to lead, learn to give yourself away and, and learn to die to self. And, um, and so right, we, 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 we trust and we, we see that foundation laid as we now build upon it together. So let's go ahead and pray uh, as we continue to get into our time in God's word. Again, Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that we can come, even different conversations I've already had this morning. We know we're all coming in different places. Lord, some, um, even as we read this text or we heard the scripture read this morning, um, Lord, we know that probably for everyone, this brings up at least uh, confusion and, and probably more often than not there's elements of pain and frustration and and uh, even hurt even even fear so Lord we pray that through your spirit you will lead us to your good news Lord Jesus in your name we pray amen all right let's uh, let's get right into it this morning uh, picking up in verse 21 submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, that's kind of what we talked about the whole deal last week. All things out of reverence for Christ. And then now picking up in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. All right, we could probably pause here um, and just recognize on the front end what um, what loaded words we've already read. Verse 22 is one of the most, um, again, kind of weighty words for many in our culture um, in all of Scripture, that idea of wives submit to husbands. Um, on the front end, as we get into it, and we're going to talk about what submit does not mean, and then we'll talk a bit about what submit does mean, and again, we'll kind of navigate our cultural waters here in 2018 and how that intersects with the cultural realities of what was going on um, when this was written, and we'll seek to, again, understand the, the, the person and character of God, most clearly seen through the person and work of Jesus, and then how we respond to him. Uh, but again, I want to, on the front end, acknowledge um, there's likely a lot of a lot of a lot of pain, um, frustration. Even again, as I said earlier in prayer, um, confusion. I, I, I'll share. Um, this is actually hopefully I don't I don't cry or anything here. But my this is my first Sunday without my mom here in our in our church. Um, so I was raised by a, a single mom. My dad left when I was like five months old, and so my mom held it down. Like she stepped up, she was here. We just moved her into a long-term care home. And um, so there's all kinds, even it's, I think, not coincidental that this would be the week, you know, that we moved her in and that we're in this uh, scripture. So 
there's a lot there. And, and, and even there, again, for myself of just, man, my mom really held it down. She was, she was mom, dad, coach, you know, everything. She kind of did it all. And, and so um, a, a couple things, again, on the front end, though, that I want to say kind of pastorally and on behalf of the elders and the church here, just to share where we're coming from with this. Because this, um, this section of Scripture, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, in many cases um, over the last number of years has been used often to justify chauvinism, hierarchy, um, abuse, and, 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 and that is, um, I just want to say I, I'm sorry. I want to even acknowledge that just by kind of default, I and we have even just by kind of Christian culture have participated in this in ways, um, usually, hopefully, unknowingly, but um, elsewhere probably just by default. And, and that's not okay. That's not in line with Scripture. And, and most pointedly, I want to say that, that statistically, um, most likely many people in this room even have, have, have experienced domestic violence or domestic abuse of some form. And sadly, most tragically, most frustratingly, even at times um, flowing out of wrong interpretation of this Scripture. And uh, I want to say again, that is not okay. That is not God's word. If, if there's anyone in this room who's experienced that, they say, they, you know, uh, studies say that statistically one in four women has um, experienced domestic violence. It, uh, apparently there are 20,000 calls made to domestic violence hotline every day. That even just to kind of help us understand the brokenness that we're in, um, they say one in six women has experienced um, sexual assault in some form as compared to one in 71 men. So you see the very just huge discrepancy there. And so again on the front end, I just want to say if, if that's you in this room in any way, we are for you. And if you're experiencing that, um, again, especially if it's under the the apparent protection of the church or of scripture, um, we're in your corner. We uh, wanna come alongside you. We wanna um, help protect you in whatever way that might be. If that means, we have the domestic violence hotline available. Um, after the, the service, I'd encourage you even and ask you to perhaps talk to me or an, another elder or pastor um, or even if you wanna just put on a connect card those are um, not many people see those so we would get that and we can even reach out to you I want to kind of put that out there just now even to say you're not alone Um, and and there is absolutely no room for um, for you to be experiencing abuse in any form especially connected with this scripture and so um, we would be naive and foolish to think it's only like out there Right, that these things happen. Again, sadly, even maybe it feels less safe because people can attach uh, misuse of God's word to it. So again, um, you're, you're not alone. Um, we're for you. We will call the police. We'll step in the gap for you. I just want to say, too, something that, that I read and have even experienced. Um, if you think the norm or the pattern will, will change, it, it likely won't without outside intervention. And, um, and so even as we'll see a, a quote in a bit, um, 
the, one of the best ways you can love and even support a husband or a spouse or, or partner if there's abuse is uh, by holding them accountable. And again, they, they won't change without outside intervention. So, um, okay, so again, I, I want to say that, kind of lay the foundation. So, so we talked about, um, the, and we acknowledge just the, the waters we're in. And I, again, also want to say here on the, on the front end, we... Um, I, don't ex- I prayed and even grieved over what to say this morning. Even, again, everything going on with my mom and all this stuff was like, man, should we just kind of hit like pause and just kind of skip this section and come back around when, you know, some other time or should I offload this, you know, someone else um, preach it. I do have like four quotes and even that I cut down from eight because I'm like, all right, through quotes, we'll let some other people speak into this. But um, what, what I, there's a ton we could talk about. We could come at this from all kinds of different angles and fight, you know, the culture wars we're in and whatever. The, the, the dominant prayer that the Lord has really led um, me to this morning for this sermon is that we would be led to healing and hope. And that we would be able to look like dead on at this verse 22 and this whole section of scripture and look at it. And begin to see. I don't expect we're going to have it all fixed and we're all going to agree and everything. There's tons of room. You can email and put in. We, I'd love to talk about this further. We're not going to shy away from or hide from this in any way. And I don't pretend like, oh, with this like few minutes or however long um, is going to, however long, right? Are we cool? Um, <laughs> Uh, they, they were going to get it all neat and tidy. However, I, I pray that at least the beginning of or in some form, we would experience healing and hope as we look at Jesus. And as we maybe a, have a fresh or new understanding of this through him and his person, again, verse 21 has to be included out of reverence for him. As we see Jesus more clearly, we would relate with one another more rightly. Amen. So as we get into this morning and we, we, we pray for healing and hope, what um, we look at again, look, look dead on at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Okay, we're going to get there some this morning, but what does it not mean? What does wives, submit to your own husbands not mean? First of all, it does not mean every woman submits to every man. Okay, that's, that's not what we see in scripture. And we could all just say this like one sentence we could talk about and we have talked about. You can go in the archives and find it about roles within the church and what that looks like and things like that, eldership and different things and our 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 position on that and um and that absolutely is related to out of reverence for Christ submitting to one another. Okay, that's that's definitely connected, but this specific part where 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 God is telling us about the relationship between Jesus and his people and how how we're to understand that in this upside down world that we live in while looking at marriage we're supposed to get a a snapshot or a signpost or a picture of the beauty of the gospel okay that word means the good news of Jesus that in this way when he says wives submit to your own husbands it doesn't mean to all men at all Okay, as you see there, your own husbands, it's very clear. And, and, and it also, so we, I believe, and we believe very clearly here that in all forms of different leadership and ministry, God has gifted and empowered men and women uh, alike and, 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 and different people have different gifts and different strengths. And so CEOs or, you know, doctors, attorneys, um, whatever it is, high levels of l- leadership, it would be a, 
a, a gross misuse of, of Scripture to use this verse and to say women shouldn't be in leadership. Okay, so that's submit. To, uh, sub, wives submit to your own husbands clearly means uh, just what it says. Okay, wives submit to your own husbands. What else does it, does it not mean? As I said earlier, it, um, it clearly does not mean submit to or give yourself to or continue to sit under uh, abuse or violence in any way. Okay, again, want to just say that's not what this is saying um, in, in, in no way. It doesn't mean, well, you're stuck. Okay, that's, um, th- that's never the m- message of hope that God would give to his people here. All right, and, and now some of us might wonder, well, what do we do with even, um, I've been in conversation over email and stuff with a number of different people, even in anticipation of this week, and um, one verse that was actually referred to that, that, um, that does speak into this in some way, and I want to shed some light on it, is um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands. Okay, we kind of have seen that before, right? So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Again, some have misused this scripture to say, hey, you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, and your husband is not, um, if they are, all the more. It's like, no, okay, no room for that. But some have said, oh, well, in this case, if, if, if your husband is not a Christian, you're supposed to be a good little soldier and kind of sit under abusive um, tyranny and, and, and continue on in hopes that your abuse will somehow lead your spouse to, to Jesus. And that's not at all what that scripture is talking about. Is there tension and difficulty? Absolutely. Okay, I just want to recognize, like, there's, what does it look like for a spouse of one believing spouse who follows Jesus and one who does not, whether husband or wife, there's all kinds of, 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 of tension, of desperate need to depend on the Holy Spirit and to rely on the wise counsel of witnesses and community and that no one should walk alone or be on an island and there should be, um, and, and there needs to be help and, 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 and candor and coming alongside one another. And, and it might mean laying down your rights, right, in order to evangelize through your words and your actions that, that your spouse would look at you and say, I, I see Jesus somehow through you putting up with my brokenness and my, and my um, hardness of heart. That Absolutely that can happen, but not if it means there's abuse, not if it is ever relied upon as, a, as again, a place to keep you shackled in, in a place of, of, of unsafety. In fact, um, Kathy Keller says this about such a, a circumstance. She's kind of doing like a Q&A, kind of a rhetorical question, and this is what she asked. What if he's controlling, threatening, maybe even abusive? Am I supposed to submit to all of this? The answer is No like with an exclamation point, right? No, your submission to a husband who is sinning against God is to oppose him. If he's abusive, call the police with the motive of trying to serve and save him. 
Amen. And I just wanted to acknowledge that maybe puts the, the, it puts the ball in the court of someone being abused. That's why I, I, I even encourage you and ask, you know, write it on a connect card, reach out to someone in your redemption community, something like that, that it can be really hard to say, oh, I'm going to pick up the phone and now call the police. We'll do that fo- for you. All right. And, and we'll go and visit your, your husband in, in, in jail. All right, severe mercy. We see, I'm in Ezekiel right now. I've been reading Jeremiah and all these Old Testament prophets. God is not afraid of like bringing the hammer down in love to draw his people to himself. All right, and, and, um, and that's a way to do it. In love, how do you submit to your husband? And we'll, we'll unpack that word submit, what it does mean, right? But first we need to, need to understand what it doesn't mean. Um, submit to your husband by opposing his sin. All right, so I hope this brings freedom and hope in some way even to you. And then lastly of these, and there's a bunch of things that submit does not mean, right? I picked three for us to walk through, right? It does not mean um, that all women submit to all men. It does not mean you, you sit under abuse and you're stuck in, in, that, in that place. And then thirdly, it does not mean you don't have a voice or a say or you don't influence and lead in a significant way. Right, we, we look at Jesus because he's the best place to look in any confusing, in any time of, of confusion. One spot where I saw um, as I prepared for this, Jesus submitting is we see his relationship with the Father when he's in the garden in Luke chapter um, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, where Jesus is relating with the Father and, 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 and it's in the whole way it all broke down, he had also the high priestly prayer that we see in John 17 was right before this time. And you see Jesus relating with the Father in, in, in prayer. And, and, he's, and then right in this section when, he, when he's about to be arrested and, and then taken to the cross and to be shamefully and brutally um, murdered on behalf of his people, he's, 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 he's in an exchange with the Father in prayer, and he's, he's anxious, he's sweating even blood, and, and he says, Father, if there's any other way, and there's, he's not afraid to say that, he's not like, oh, I can't, I can't say hard things, he just says, Father, if there's any other way that this, that this cup could, could pass from me, let it happen, but, but not my will, but, but your will, he submits to, there's an ultimate deference and trust, but it doesn't mean he just has to be silent. And so as I think about this really, really practically now in my own family, a way we've figured this out, and it's, we've been married now 16 years, some of you much longer, some of you much newer. I think there's one couple here that's a couple, couples under a month. I'm doing pre-marriage counseling with four um, couples right now, so there's a lot of kind of young love, right, new love among us. And, um, and, 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 and by the way, just kind of like aside real quick, okay, time out, is this is not just like, the marriage sermon, okay? So if you're a, a youth in here and or you're, you're not married or you're single or whatever, this is, okay, again, and we're gonna keep going back to it. Um, we'll look, at, look ahead real quick and you don't have to stick it up here on the screen. I don't wanna confuse the AV folks. But um, verse 32 says, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. All right, if last week we talked about this, um, marriage is one metaphor. It's a very clear metaphor that's meant to be a signpost, a picture to the real deal, right? Which is the relationship between Jesus and his people. Jesus never had the signpost. He was single. Paul, who wrote this, was single when he wrote this. He didn't have the signpost, okay? He, he wasn't a second-class citizen, right? Newsflash, though churches sometimes get this wrong. Jesus isn't a second-class citizen, 
right? So it's not all about marriage here. This is a helpful metaphor or picture, but the real deal is Jesus and his people. All right, so I just want to say as we're talking about this. Now, as we understand that, we all bring gifts. We all have things to contribute in different ways. In my marriage, the way we figured this out early on, and I got this wrong, was thinking, okay, I'm called to be responsible for my family. That part, I think, is right, okay? And we'll get to this next week when we talk about husbands. But you see in Genesis and the theme and all these is God coming and giving a responsibility of leadership, Okay, as Christ has for the church, husbands have for the, for the home, for the, the family. Well, I thought that meant, well, I got to do everything. And so I studied philosophy in Spanish, so I should probably be in charge of our finances. And it makes a lot of sense. My wife who studied business should probably not, right? I should probably be the one to just keep the Excel sheets. I don't even know how to operate Excel sheets. I can't even count barely. And all these, and, and yet I should be responsible for it. Now, how does this work, right? There's attention. I do believe, according to scripture, just for example, my qualification as an elder, as a pastor, is that my home is in, in order. There's order in my home. And so, so if we go bankrupt or you kind of one, one day are driving and we're out there, my whole family with a, you know, sign or whatever, and we're just homeless and we've lost it all, um, I, do, I don't think this means, well, my wife does the finances, so hey, you know, not, not, not my bad, you know, it's on her, ask her about it. Like there isn't a, a, a role of leadership, of care, of provision for my family. But what that looks like really, really practically is, in our case, is me saying, that probably will be our fate if I'm the one like driving the ship here. Like, I, and so is deferring leadership, submitting to her leadership in this way, in a sense, leading my family and having oversight and responsibility and accountability by knowing where I fall dramatically short and where God has strongly gifted my wife and she leads. There's all kinds of other ways. She led our family in a devotional, a family devotional on Friday m morning that blessed me and, and our kids incredibly and acknowledging the, these things. And so this, see, we like to be in this like, oh, where do I get the list, right? Where, where do, I, do I take the helm and where does, does my spouse? And, and there's, there's more, um, the picture we see in scripture is a beautiful dance, okay? It's referred to by Timothy Keller as exactly that. And you see it just in this way. And again, John 17, I mentioned earlier, and I just, I hope we can understand this picture that, that, that as God wants to reflect himself in us, right? Like, like when God created everything in the very beginning in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. There's plural language. And he created man and woman. And the first time he said something would not be, was not good. He said, it's not good that man is alone. And so he put Adam to sleep and, and then out of, out of his side, he formed Eve and he breathed life intimately and created her. And, 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 then, and, then, and, then, and then when he presented Eve to Adam, Adam could do no other than to sing. Like he wrote a little po poem. He says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I now pronounce you husband and wife. You can kiss your bride. No, that is like <laughs> often how this goes down. But, but this is like a beautiful picture and it's meant to reflect God and his glory and his beauty that you see God the Father 
that, that, that et- eternally the, the Son submits to the Father, and yet his plan is portrayed throughout all of Scripture is to glorify the Son. And that at the, at, the, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. And yet, here's the deal, right? How does the Holy Spirit come into play, right? The, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. The same word that in Genesis, when God says, I will make a helper fit for you, the same word is, is used to refer to the Holy Spirit as is used to, to, to wise. Well, how did Jesus do all his ministry on this earth? How did he heal the blind? How did he, how did he powerfully tell the demoniac to be quiet or shut up is actually really what he said in the Greek? And, um, and, and all these things through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay, that Jesus didn't like pull the God card. So he tells us that, that he relied on the empowering work of the Spirit in order to, to fulfill the, 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 the mission that the Father had sent him on. And so Jesus dies and then how is he raised from the dead? Well, the Father raises him through the Spirit from the dead. And then what does Jesus do? He says, it's better for you that I go away because I will send to you a helper and you will do far more than even I have done. And so Jesus ascends to the right hand of God the Father, and then he sends the Spirit, authoritatively sending the Spirit, but the Spirit to be the helper, the empower, to carry on the work that Jesus, by just staying here, said, and I don't fully get this, said, I can't fulfill my mission unless I ascend to the right hand of the Father and send the Spirit. And then, so now you see this beautiful dance. All right, now, maybe when we look at that, we get confused. We're like, wait, 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 where's, wait, who's in charge there? How does this all work? And you see, no, you see that submission, yes, clearly Jesus submits to the will of the Father. Clearly the Spirit submits to the sending authority of the Son. And clearly you see um, the, the Father using his authority to glorify his Son, right? And, 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 and it's this, again, beautiful dance. Yes, there are different roles, one God in three persons. There's absolutely, right? The Father didn't die on the cross. Sometimes in our prayers, we get so on auto, auto, autopilot. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And Right? Some of us do. We don't even think about it. Well, that's not theologically accurate. Right? The Son died. The Father didn't die on the cross for our sins. The Son didn't. Okay? And so, right? We need to, so, so like, we see this clearly and yet mysteriously presented in Scripture. The whole point of this is the gospel. Okay, before we get more into what does submit mean, okay, we want to get really, really practical. We also, we acknowledge what it doesn't mean, okay? The first three things, right? It doesn't mean that all women just submit to all men and don't have a say and don't have authority and influence in any way. It doesn't mean you sit under an abusive tyranny in any way. It doesn't mean you don't have clear, necessary leadership. And yet now, before we get to what it does mean, what's it all about? It's all about the gospel. Again, pick up with me in, uh, in in uh, in verse 31. And this is, this is Paul quoting Genesis. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Necessarily interdependent, all right, is what one flesh means. Okay, you can't just like slice in half. Okay, you get 50%, I get 50%. It's like the tearing of an arm, 
okay, an ugly picture it would be of like ligaments and stuff, right? Necessarily interwoven, dependent to be one flesh. And then verse 32, what's this all about? Well, here's your answer. Good question. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So he doesn't shy away from that, that, that charge still, right? He picks up in verse 22, or he kind of, right? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then in verse 33, at the end of this section, he again says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Acknowledging and recognizing and further communicating these different roles. And yet in verse 32, reminding us this whole mystery is profound and it's all about Jesus and the church. All right, let me read this just to remind us. What do we do in all this confusion and all this as we're in this dance and we figure out where do I fit in this dance? Okay, so he's leading, I'm submitting, and we're picturing a dance in a fair while. It's like dancing with the stars or whatever, right? And you can see, right? Okay, so I, I, I'm seeing this picture, this dance and this, this relationship. These, where, where do I go with this? Well, this encourages us. We would do well to let our hearts fly immediately to thoughts of Christ, who never abuses, flaunts, or manipulates his rightful, perfectly executed authority and rule. We submit happily and voluntarily to our perfectly good and just king, who does all things well. All our submission is to be done unto Christ, says Gloria Furman in this really helpful little book that we've kind of quoted all throughout our time in the film, Ephesians. And she, I, I relied heavily on a couple of different women um, who spoke really well on, on how to understand and communicate these deep, rich truths of Ephesians. What do we do in this dance? Where do we figure it out? We look to Jesus. It's all about his gospel, about his good news. And so hear me, what, what we see here is clearly husbands and wives, given, given there's, there's a need for healing, but there's also a clear description of hope as both getting to be and having to be Jesus. All right, look at your neighbor and say, you need to be Jesus. Okay, actually, scratch that. Look at your neighbor and say, you, you get to be Jesus. All right, that's Jesus wants to reflect himself in how you relate with one another. Yes, in this text it says that husbands reflect Jesus in this way and then, and then that, that the wives reflect the church, right? But as we step back and we see broadly, clearly, Jesus wants different aspects of his character reflecting, reflected in different roles in, in husband and wife. It's all about the gospel. Do all these things, right? When we zoom in and we get stuck in the muck and the mire and we're so broken again, remember, now hear me, we, if we get off like one degree, we just, what's that called? Any math? I know we got a couple math PhDs in here and different things, right? You, there's something. It's called, right, if you get off a little bit, as you kind of follow it further along, it gets further and further apart, right? You guys, you know what it is. You can, right? But, right, it's not just going to somehow, without intervention, just come back together and become one, right? It's like, it's just going to get further and further apart. So when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we get stuck, when we, when we, um, 
when we look at headings like the beginning of chapter 5 or the beginning of this section in verse 22 and it says wives and husbands, we're like, okay, this is all about wives and husbands. Now in these 11 verses, I'm just going to get it all figured out. And no, we need to see, oh, right, right before that heading said, do this all out of reverence for Christ. Or we skip over verse 32 that this is all about Jesus in the church. So what, what's this all, all about? Jesus. So we talked about what submission does not mean. What does it mean? All right, I've kind of beat around the bush and have quoted it long enough, right? What does it, what does it mean? It means rather than giving up, it means giving to. Giving to. Submission here clearly means in this relationship, wives in relationship to your husbands and to your families, give to. Give what God has given you. Now, now give, now offer up. And give to in order to, to offer, in order to help, in order, in order to enable and participate in the common shared goal. Give the gifts and, and things that you have. Okay, so we think of it in our culture, and I've, we, we, we read this and we think uncle, right? We think like seventh grade wedgies and noogies. No, okay, that was only me. Um, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, we think like, okay, submit, like I'm giving up. All right. I tap out, right? Like I'm like hitting the, 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 the canvas while I'm in a, a God ordained chokehold that I now just kind of give up. All right. That's what submit means. And that's what this relate. That's what marriage looks like. There you go. Who wants to sign up? Awesome. Okay. Picture rather, um, as a pastor, you're only allowed to quote the L L L Lord of the Rings maybe like three times in your whole, I, in your whole tenure in ministry because it's been overplayed way too much. But I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to refer to it. Okay, so, um, <laughs> But honestly, and I looked long and hard to try to find a better image for us, but this was the best I could, I could find. Okay, if you remember... In the very first one, the Fellowship of the Rings, when they're all surrounding the ring, right? And you've got elves and dwarves and um, all these, you know, powerful characters and, and men and, and all these different people. And they're like, who's going who's gonna, to gonna, 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 gonna keep this ring? Who's going to be entrusted with the one ring that should rule them all, right? And clearly it's the short, chubby, hairy guy, right? That's the most trustworthy. Everyone knows he's not going to abuse it. I don't, okay, I don't know how that fits here for me in this role, but, right, it's, it's the hobbit, right? It's a little barefooted, hairy person that could clearly not beat anyone else around is entrusted with this role. But then what happens, right, is the, and I don't know who comes first, but it's like the elf who's this angelic, almost deified character, so powerful, says, I submit my bow, I offer my bow, and then the dwarf and my axe, and then the, um, the, one of the humans, my sword, right? My, I give all that, I give the gifts and the things that I have that I could use to establish my own identity, and that happens right before you see this infighting. Well, no, clearly my gifts and my strengths are, are the best, are the ones that I'm going to hang on to, and I'm going to keep them because that's where I find security and safety. And then, well, no, my axe is better, and my axe could take out your bow, all right? And my sword, axe, I said, by the way, if it got a little confusing. Um, my sword could, like, take your axe 
out, right? And you have this infighting and the hobbit, whatever, my hairy feet could, you know, could scare you all. And, <laughs> and yet you see this exchange, but there's this beautiful picture of submission that is much more in line with what, uh, what, what this means in Scripture. Not give up, not cry uncle, but offer what you've been given. What would it look like for everyone in this room? Husbands and wives, yes, specifically talking about here. Wives, most specifically talking about in this context of submitting. What would it look like to not ignore your gifts and your strengths and all these things that God has clearly given you and that clearly your, your, your husband your family, your community, your, your, your city, your church needs. But to say, I, I offer these things. I, I give them for the common good that we're all participating in. And if you're not married, again, similarly, what does it look like for you? Single person, older person, younger person, different cultural backgrounds, different, different strengths, different to, to relate, to participate in this beautiful dance together and to say, I give what God has entrusted to me. I don't hold on to it or keep it because I'm, I'm afraid of what everyone else will do, but out of reverence for Jesus because he didn't consider what he had something to be grasped and held on to, but he gave it up. He took on the form of a servant. He submitted. He offered up all that he had for the good of his people. So now you too, specifically here, wives, have been entrusted with much. Offer them, give them to, submit them to, in order to reflect God and his grace and his character and his perfection and his glory. And again, when we go off, when we go awry, we fall apart. Another quote reminds us here of what this looks like. Because when we start looking inward, when we, we become navel gazers, when we talk about, well, what am I going to lose? What am I going to gain? Where do I? Then it all goes awry. Here's what Timothy Keller says. Self-centeredness is a havoc-wreaking problem in many marriages. And it is the ever-present enemy of every marriage. It is the cancer in the center of a marriage when it begins, and it has to be dealt with. In Paul's classic description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says... Love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. What would it look like for us to engage this obviously complex and potentially difficult section of Scripture in such a way that we understand I have been given so much in Jesus. My cup is so ever-presently full that I am now freed up. I am now empowered to pour it out. What would it look like if we engaged this subject with the posture in the prayer of, Lord, let my love be patient, kind, not envying, not boasting, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, not keeping any record of wrong. And as we prepare to close, I do want to pastor us in this. I know there are certainly many, many relationships and marriages in here where it's gotten so convoluted that it's, it's, unsur it's unclear who, sh who needs to do what, who needs to lay down their rights, who needs to, right, there's been mutual offense and we forget who was the first cause in it. 
And we're just stuck in this cycle, stuck in this place of, I'm not going to move until I'm moved toward. And again, you get to be Jesus. We look to him. Hear me, he loved you so much that it was very clear. We were sinners. We are sinners. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made the first move toward you and has given you such power that now you can lay down your rights and make the first move toward your spouse. I don't know specifically who this means in your relationship. I trust that God, the Holy Spirit, will lead you. But what would it look like for you to lay down your rights, to make the first move toward your spouse? And one last quote in order for us to remember this all is utterly, absolutely dependent on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If left to ourselves, remember, we're like, okay, God, I got it. Boom, face plant. Like we're going to fall flat on our faces if we think for one nanosecond that we have the power or faithfulness or holiness or godliness or Christ-likeness to, to, to do this. We, it's in constant dependence upon the Holy Spirit whom Jesus has sent. Again, one more quote from Gloria Furman. There is no way that wives can submit to husbands, children to parents, and servants to masters if they are not being filled by the Spirit. Spiritless submission is what Paul calls insincere eye service. It's basically building a house of cards that will eventually come crashing down. If you're relying on any power other than the power of the good news of Jesus, you, you will be frustrated and grow in bitterness and in pain and in dissension. But as we look to Jesus, we understand, again, specifically, I want to speak here to wives and to even women in general because of what the church has done and use this text and others to kind of ostracize or to, or to make feel less than it's not a giving up. It's not an uncle. It's a giving to. You have incredible power that God has given you for his glory, for others' good, and in that for your joy. So with that, let's respond now individually and communally with our eyes fixed on Jesus out of reverence for him. Lord, uh, thank you for this time. I pray that through your spirit, Lord, you will lead us as we need to be led. Um, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray and trust that you will lead us to respond however we need to, Lord, that we will individually and communally grow in the image of Jesus. Lord, that we will reflect you in our homes, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our city, in our communities, Lord, so that all things will be done out of reverence for Jesus, Lord, who you are and what you've done, not considering what you have, something to be grasped, but giving up Lord, surrendering, giving to for your glory and for the good of your people. Lord, we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.